Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Match Ball. Good afternoon. Hello. Welcome to The Match Ball. Dan, Michael and Moscow with you streaming live from the studio just around the corner from a uh, sun-drenched Ellen Road there as we've hit April. We've got to those kind of end of season vibes now, haven't we? Where the sun comes in and blinds you if you're in the <laughs> East Stand and it's a massive mistake to wear a jacket. Um, thoughts about that one then? One all with Southampton, should say. Uh, the podcast is brought to you with Levi Solicitors too. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for 10% off your legal fees. Thank you for their support. What did you reckon to the game today? It was just fine, wasn't it? Boring. Like a mid-table Premier League game, wasn't it? I know we're not quite mid-table yet, but at one point we were. We don't really do draws anymore, do we? We had the draw at Villa, which didn't almost feel like a draw because it was so outrageously exciting. And then it was just loads of defeats, some last-minute wins. It was weirdly flat. Yeah, the atmosphere was a, was a little flatter today, I thought. like Even like when they played the Premier League anthem, which interrupted marching on together and uh crowd seemed to get in late as well. It just doesn't, it didn't quite have that explosive start, did it? The atmosphere at the start. Team started well. Mm. Um, but then I think once Southampton started coming back into it, there was a big chunk of that game where Southampton seemed to be much more dangerous than we were. And I think it just, even though we had the, uh, well, they, they equalised halfway through that. I think it just put everybody back on edge when you would maybe when it was getting to the last 10 minutes you're waiting for that kind of explosive last minute last 30 seconds goal to happen um, but without that there was really nothing nothing to get too kind of worked up about yeah I thought we did well to see out that first half it felt like the goal was really coming at that point yeah. and then the second half started and they were still on top for well, quite, three, well, quite three, a bit of it three minutes and then they scored that was annoying though wasn't it it was yeah because I was looking at Melier's goal and his position in there and I thought that looks like a big gap on that side of his goal and that's exactly where he put it but he's I, dead I, good at him though, isn't he? but yeah the thing is as well yeah he's, he put it right in the postage stamp in the top corner and you know what can you do you can only put, put one keeper in can't you really he could not give the free kick away mm. I mean I don't even know was it a free kick I mean it was hard to tell because he was doing lots of yeah. quick footed stuff was, uh, was Luke Haling kind of just tripped him it right. wasn't crime of the century but kind of once he was kind of uh, dribbling around in that area somebody was going to tap his heels and he was going to go down because, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, it's maybe a very cynical way of looking at it, but if you play for Southampton and you're on the edge of the penalty area and Walker Peters is in your team, it's a very good place to go down. And yeah. So he, yeah. he was kicked, but, and so probably the right thing to give a free kick, but... It doesn't take much to make Anthony Taylor go for the whistle, does it? Well, he's a funny one. I was thinking that because he got, um, he got really fussy midway through the, sort of during, into the second half. He started giving free kicks for everything. And then towards the end, he made a big show of there were two big tackles, one after the other, one by us, then one by them, or vice versa. 
And he did a big thing of going, oh, get up, get up. I'm not giving yeah. that one. It's like, you've been giving free kicks like that for the last half an hour. So what do you expect the players to do when you, when you, that happens again? And looking, you go, oh, you're just going to give a free kick. Now what are you doing? And then nobody, so no, I don't, I don't like Taylor. I think I've seen him do this before where he's kind of, he'll, he'll let things go and then he'll, he'll be, he'll start clamping down on stuff and then he'll start letting it go again. And the players end up getting a bit tetchy and starting arguing, asking what is a free kick in this man's football match. Yeah, he did, yeah. he did give some really soft, pathetic things. And then there are other things where he thought, mm, probably yeah. not, not necessarily for us either. There were a few bits I thought he let go. Yeah. Generally, well, um, we don't need to get caught too much on the ref because he did, he didn't have any major sway on the yeah. game, did he? Apart really? from the penalties, he didn't give everybody. Yeah, I mean, there, there was um, a definite ball to hand, according to uh, the socials, are saying you know the Urente one, but because he, he had his hands down by his side. You mean you've got your uh, little telly, Moscow? It was never a, never a penalty in a million. Can years. I ring the little telly bell? You feel free. Oh, that was a bad yeah, execution. It was, um, <clears throat> no, it kind of just. I th- I'm sure it bounced off the Southampton player's hand as well, but everybody's just kind of a foot away from each other. Um, batting the ball around it would have been a terrible decision to give a penalty I thought um, Southampton were a decent side on the break and they caused us trouble as um, teams are prone to, do, uh, prone to doing but yeah we were sort of duking it out with them as well because we looked dangerous on the break in that first half and we could have gone at, yeah, I think either time, either team could have gone in at half time in front in that one do you agree? We started well didn't we the first first 20 minutes half an hour I thought we were probably the better team and we had some there was the Urente header that was very close to, I'm sure that Dan James had a couple of Half chances as was well. Was it Cooper who nearly scored straight away? Was it away? Cooper? I thought, the it was, first, first I thought it was your end. It's, right, it's yeah. far end for me, so I'm not entirely sure. But it was yeah. your end, Was it? So yeah, there were was some, was some decent chances. I thought the description of that handball of everyone stood a foot away from each other, just the ball sort of bobbling around was a fair description of most of that second half as well. It just, it descended into like, it was the most championshipy looking game I've seen in a long time that second half. And, and the shape of Marsh's system means that it tends to be very narrow. We obviously had Southampton playing the penis formation as well, didn't mm-hmm. we? Kind of, it was all very congested down down the middle because there were times when you two you, dicks attempting to dock. It, yes, wow, what an image! Welcome it, to Red Bull football. I didn't. Hassan Hurtle versus Marsh. That's there, there were moments though, it was. today where the football you saw what they were trying to do. It felt like they were a lot more in tune with the system. The idea of trying to play it vertically rather than you know going across and across and across. It was like there's that sort of there's that big punted ball to the opposite wing. Southampton tried it a number of times. We did it a number of times as well. Um, but then they're always looking inside, aren't they, for those little interchanges rather than doing what we do, which was uh, doing what we did under Bielsa, which was the overlaps. Um, quite a lot more turning inside and bringing everything through the middle. Less less girth, if you like. Especially once Gelhart came on, there seemed to be this kind of real uh, urgency about getting the ball to him as soon as possible. So it meant the ball was in the middle, about 30 yards from goal. And then, because we don't really have any width anymore, there's nowhere really for him to go apart from maybe to turn and run forward and get into trouble and then there were loads of times where like little layoffs would have worked if Harrison for example had been on the touchline but because he's standing you know three yards away from Rodrigo as he's trying to kind of lay it off there's loads of Southampton players there as well so we're not using the space so it's all it is what it is yeah. we're very yeah. narrow and then it was kind of then when we did have a player wide in that sort of last period it, it tended to be Gelhart kept drifting out mm. um and you didn't want him out wide. You wanted him in the box, finishing the chances that Dan James got in the first half that he didn't score. <laughs> Dan James. So, I mean, bless him. Um, like, these, is it these, it's the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz who doesn't have a brain, isn't it? Bless him. He gets into such good positions, does loads of hard work, and you think, just, ah, never mind. Mm. Bless him. Not a striker, though. No. 
that's the thing. Still not a striker. No. He played really well, I thought. It's just those, once he gets uh, within about 12 yards of goal, he just doesn't really have any idea what to do. I wonder if it's, (laughs) I I wonder if it's confidence as well that he just, it's now on his mind that he's not a striker because he, when he first went there, which might have been Southampton away, he was having pot shots and he he seemed a bit more definite about what he was doing, but uncertainty has really crept in so that um, either a Southampton player will run back and tackle him or his touch just won't be there and he'll chance will go. Mm. Um, I wonder if um, Dan James's brain can't keep up with his legs. They are very fast legs. Yeah. Let's be honest. It did remind me at points of Huckabee today, actually, for uh, viewers of a certain age will we'll remember that. But yeah, he used to he used to run into really good positions and he'd sometimes even get in positions where you think, just run through that gap and you're through. There was one today where he looked to be through on goal and he started checking back and you think, you're the fastest person on the pitch. Just, just drive through it. Just yeah. keep, just yeah. go straight through it. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see him being an option on the wing. But, mm. you know, we don't have strikers. I mean, Gellart seems to be holding his back already as well. It was pretty much as soon as he came on. Whether it was his back or his hamstring, he was kind of like holding his ass cheek, it seemed. Mm. So I don't, know what, I don't know what that would be. It, but feels it, like, it feels like they're all just waiting to be given a, a service in the summer, like, you know, to try to draw the parallel with like a car mm. that you think, need to just get it in, we can change the oil, we'll do all the stuff that needs doing. Like, they all just need a, a bit of a rest. I mean, to be fair, after the Watford game we've got a bit of time again haven't we or is it after the Palace game I can't remember which yeah, no, got, yeah we've got the Easter yeah, weekend off haven't we Chelsea yeah. game's moved hasn't so, it so maybe a chance just to refresh again but and Chelsea is shit now which is good news too yeah I we, mean, can, we can batter them yeah uh, Baps McGinty in the comments on YouTube uh, suggesting that Brentford currently being drug tested um, unconfirmed <laughs> at this stage I would like to say but that's a hell of a result for them wasn't it mm, I mean they were not really of any concern anyway were they just because it's the teams below us that we need, they need to be looking out for and they got nothing Today. I would mm-hmm. I would respect the randomness of that result from Brentford, but they scored. I think the second and third goals came within about five minutes of each other, and I can already picture Thomas Frank kind of flapping around the pitch and celebrating and fist bumping and probably you know riding Pontus like a donkey. So I'm kind of <laughs> that's going to ruin the enjoyment of that particular result. I'm quite happy to see Chelsea lose, even if it is Brentford. Yeah, uh, doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rodrigo, I thought today. Another good performance. He seems to be really finding his his mojo now. Maybe looking a lot a little bit more like the twenty seven million pound footballer we bought. Yeah, I thought I thought he was good today. I think having two proper midfielders behind him helps as well. I thought, I thought Click and Forshaw both did all right today. I thought mm-hmm. they were both pretty decent. Click was maybe a, a touch unlucky to be taken off, but I can see why you want Phillips on because he is our best midfielder. And, and I think that was a point at which when Phillips came on, the game did change in the sense that you got. I don't know whether it was us having more grip in midfield or whether Southampton at that point had settled for a point but it did just seem to tighten that midfield up mm. Yeah Southampton were doing a lot in there um, Walker Peters in the first half looked like he knew all our plans and was good enough to stop them because, I mean well technically he does Yeah because you know <laughs> the Hassan Hurtle and Marsh are very much from the same playbook so he, he kept cutting out those balls to Rodrigo and reading what Click or Forshaw were going to do um, and we managed to kind of ride that out and uh, and dominate the first half hour or so. But then, yeah, the once um, once we'd scored, we got a lot worse. And then once they equalised, we weren't getting any better. So um, changing it in midfield probably helped. But then, yeah, Rodrigo, it was working whenever he was getting the balls from our midfielders. And when he wasn't, it wasn't. But that little um, ball into the centre circle for him for him to then turn and be a playmaker doing all the stuff that kind of we decided he would never ever be able to do everyone was like just play him at nine he, he, he will never be a ten he's not the Pablo Hernandez replacement we wanted and now last few games where he's starting to dictate things a bit you think oh actually you know well maybe he should be our and, number and it, ten after all it might just be that 
he's not cut out for tear arsing around the pitch for 90 minutes and that's just one of the facts that we have to accept and in this system that allows them to sort of slow it down and break the game up a little bit more when they need to pick and choose your moments to expend your energy it's not like Bielsa ball um, it's a little bit more considered rather than completely fly out all the time maybe it just suits him yeah, I think you can probably look back at the number of kind of uh, defenders who would sprint away from um, Rodrigo with the ball at their feet and remember yeah he, he wasn't really into it but when he's got a little bit more energy, that little half-turn thing that he does, he's really, really good at just finding a yard of space when he's mm. got people around him, which is what you want to see, I guess. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe it just works for him. I thought he was good. Um, what else have we got? Then Cooper came back. Good, really good. Good, solid performance. Excellent. Yeah. He's not played in such a long time and to get a full 90 at that level, amazingly good. Do you think we looked a little bit less fraught at the back with him in there and that's no you know criticism of, of Strauch at all did uh, you see Urente? Oh well that's what I was going to say because he was up up, up along with um, alongside him he had Urente who has that it's not a complete bomb scare quality about him it's just kind of a low key bomb scare quality where he, was, he always just seems very, like half a second mentally too slow or his, his passes just seem half a yard loose that kind of thing there was a bit in the first half in front, in sort of right hand side towards the cop and he was just twisting and turning with it and I was thinking He's, you, you're in trouble you're in trouble you're in, you're in. You're making it worse for yourself. You're in lots of bother you now. need to get rid you, of this you pretty soon. Yeah. You get one of those a game. Yeah, with your answer, it's pretty standard. Um, Cooper was interested because uh, old Jesse said on Thursday that he wasn't fit enough to play the whole game, mm. and there he is at ninety minutes. Um, and there was no, there didn't seem to be any question of uh, him coming off because they were going to bring on Sam Greenwood until Luke Ayling uh, turned out to be today's. We have to sacrifice one player per point. I think. Um, <laughs> So probably a good job. It was only a draw. I was going to say with that sub, last one. I was sure that sub was going to be Cooper because I thought, oh no, because they sat Sam Greenwood down, and then I thought, oh no, Cooper must have said he's tired or whatever. Yeah. Like, now nah, I'm staying on. I think there might have been a conversation because Cooper, or it was just kind of planning out what was happening with the captain because Cooper came over to the bench and was talking to them. And I don't know if it was like, are you going to be all right? Because um, maybe it was Greenwood for Cooper, but then I didn't know how that was going to work because I was waiting for Cooper to come off because of what. Marsh had said that he couldn't play the whole game and so he couldn't start both him and Phillips um, it's probably just like you know the Bamford or Roberts thing where once they're on the pitch he would like he prowls the touchline and scowls at them and uh, will not hear of a player coming off um, because they're a little bit tired maybe uh, he's the, the mean leg breaker of Wisconsin on the thing of looking <laughs> less fraught with the back I do agree generally speaking I thought it was quite telling in the first half when Cooper just Absolutely twatted one into the West Stand, and it is sort of, everyone sort of went. Oh, he passed. Okay. Uh, We're doing that now. <laughs> We're doing that now, yeah. are we? He passed one out for a throw in as well in the second mm. half. He just went. There's, I can't do anything. I think I'll just tap it out for a, a throw in. And given that they were Southampton were putting a lot of faith in their long throws, so I wasn't sure that was the best idea. Urente, uh in the first half when um, it was before we'd scored, he did a big because Luke Ayling got caught in possession, and then um, yeah, Lorente was kind of running around everybody. Flapping his arms, saying, yelling, calm down, calm down, calm down. And then we scored. You're the least calm one here. Exactly. The uh, <laughs> the front of the man is incredible. And then we scored and he goes running over to the bench. He's with Jesse Marsh. And you could see him going, we need to calm down. And I'm like, all right, Diego, everybody is calm. You just, the, you need to calm you're down. You're the one who's making us not calm. Yeah. <laughs> but it has been pointed out by Glenn in the comments saying that Urento is great today without the ball, which would please Paul Heckingbottom. Mm. And probably Jesse Marsh, because he's now bringing that one out. Quite he, a lot, he, doesn't call yeah. it, he doesn't call it without the ball, does he? Against he, the again, ball. He tries to go with against the ball, against but occasionally ball. a without the ball will we'll slip through. <laughs> it's safe to say that that must be one of the chapters in the uh, the FIFA badge mm. coaching manual thing that's doing the rounds at the minute that Hecky's done as well as... Uh, 
as Marsh. Marsh saying, I'd say it was an intensive game and one which we should have won. We knew it would be like this. We knew it would be tight, says the Ward-Prowse free kick is what I call a penalty. <laughs> yeah. Which, how yeah. far off is it sometimes? Is that good with them? I, think, I don't think there was a single person at Ellen Road who didn't think that was going in, weirdly. Yeah. As, admittedly, it's due to the pessimism of it. But I mean, he is so good at them. And you can say that if Melier was stood more in the middle of his goal, then he, he can get to that a bit easier. But then he's so good at them, he occasionally just absolutely twats them into the other corner as well, which is, he, he can hit them in such a variety of ways. He can get him, he can sort of loft them over the wall. He can hit the kind of knuckle ball sometimes. He's just, he's just ridiculously... He's, he's like special teams, isn't he? Which yeah. uh, Jesse Marsh would be fully familiar with. No, no, just so because on. he's American. Let's get out the lazy tropes, Moscow. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There is a point being made by the Reverend Mark Green here in the comments saying, you all sound really subdued today. Does that reflect the fact that you're not worried? <clears throat> I've got a cold. Yeah, I mean, I've got a cold not, for a week. Not it's subdued. Terrible. It was just like, it, this is what a draw feels like. Like a fairly oh, well. run-of-the-mill <laughs> point, I think. I was I was looking back. The last normal draw we had was nil-nil just Brighton. Put a, just put a year on it. Nil-nil <laughs> Brighton, which was November. Because we, since then, we've had 2-2 Brentford, which was a last-minute equaliser, and mm. then the, the Villa thing, which was really end-to-end, and... We were up and we were down, and it looked lost, and then it was it was potentially up for grabs. So we've not we've not had a game like this in ages. Yeah, and if you remember last year, we just didn't draw. Yeah, you know? no. So win or lose, wasn't it? It's quite a, a rare thing. We 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 built that into the start of this season. We were we were grinding some points out, um, but and obviously in the championship, it was winning uh, every week. So yeah, it's quite rare. It's quite you know just oh we just we just drew. I was kind of I was feeling that if. Uh, I felt like we needed a second goal. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I was hoping that we would score again in the first half and then Calvin could just sit down the whole match and we wouldn't have to worry about risking him. Um, 
and I was quite looking forward to just kind of cruising through to full time with a, a nice, comfortable 2 0 lead. Because I think the annoying thing about today, when you look at Southampton, is I don't think they were particularly asked. Um, they seem to have this thing of they get to this point of the season because they're generally mid table and they're not going to get into Europe and they're not going to get relegated. They just switch off a bit. Um, and they looked like a bit of a switched off team when we were on top. Like the fact that we went ahead didn't seem to be very upsetting to any of them. Um, it's been pointed out, by the way, that the Brighton draw was hideous. Um, do you remember we were under the cosh for yeah, ages, it was. wasn't it? And it was like Furpo was an absolute, he was the total bomb scare that game. Mm. And we um, we stole the draw, as Baps McGinty said. Actually, just following that question up, um, the Reverend Mark Green is saying, even the Clio driving Michael, as in, well, you're the litmus test for this, Michael, mm. about um, how good or bad we feel. How do you feel now watching that and with that result in the bank and the table as it is? Fine. Probably fine. About, probably fine. We were, a draw was a fair result today, I thought. Looking at the, I don't know, look at the, just some of the stats, the XG, we're pretty much neck and neck on it. 1.65, 1.75, and it felt like that. There was, they had some good, ch- I don't know if it was the free kick that actually went in, but they had some good chances. Melia made a really, really good save, and then I think it was, was it Dallas recover, make it, recovering the second ball in the first half? That, that one was, on the, right on the line. What a great bit of... The way he used his body was brilliant, wasn't it? Though? Yeah, so they, they had really good chances. The, I was, the save was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Don't underrate it. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. And there's probably a bit of um, blame for Melier because it was his distribution that gave the ball away at the start of the second half that they got the equaliser from. That's where they came running. And he kept doing it again and people were kind of getting on his back and it's kind of like, well... All true, but that save was just unbelievable. We also just failed to tackle Walker Peters all day, weirdly. Mm. He just seemed, there were so many times he seemed to just pick up the ball and uh, like four or five players would try and tackle him and he'd just emerge with it. So, but yeah, I thought, I thought Millie was, was, was pretty good. But, I can um, provoke you. Do you want me to provoke you? Okay. Um, so our goal, uh, Hassan Hurtle was uh, doing his note. He wasn't happy because he thinks Cooper. Uh, did a foul on halfway to start the account and it was the foul that he completed or rather the excellent tackle that he completed with his head. Oh, you remember he was that, lying yeah. on the floor and headed the ball away. So that's, that actually started the move. I thought so it was can, fine. Yeah, I, thought, I think it was fine. Well, exactly. Well, and now we've got this Ralph Hattenhurtle. Ralphie Rabbitouch, by the way. Um, running around saying that that's the worst thing that's ever happened in football. Is, no, that's thought, not a direct quote. I thought Cooper got in front of him and then there was a bit of a tussle. But I thought, if anything, it was Maybe a foul on Cooper. Okay, I think well, and Cooper, then, um, Cooper stepped out and got. I think he got caught, almost got caught the wrong side, but recovered quite well. There was some tussling going on, mm. I think, because there was a moment when I kind of drew breath and thought, "Don't do it, Liam." But then he managed to somehow get him, get his body the right side Good again. Brave header. Yeah, I, I and think put, part, part put his body the, in there, and then he did that header on the floor like Gary Kelly height. I think part of the flatness as well is because it was a weird goal that no one seems to really celebrate. Yeah, I, I didn't know it going. I was like, oh, I, I'm still, oof, I've still not yeah. seen a replay of it, so I'm still not entirely sure how it did go in. He sort of um, just came charging in. So Rafinha does brilliantly to keep the ball in. Mm. It's that close. Um, and does, he, then does he mean to shoot Rafinha? No, Jackie. It, it looked, looked, like, it looked like he bounced off his leg almost. Yeah, just trickled yeah, in. Yeah, because it, it, I think it's palmed away by the keeper, isn't it? Um, if I'm remembering correctly. And then, yeah, Jackie's just kind of running in and kind of flings a foot through it and it sort of deflects off the uh, thigh of a Southampton player on the way. Not like a direction changer, but it's just really scruffy. Mm. The whole game was very scruffy, wasn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. It was, um, it was, there were very few passages of play where you would struggle, where you would say it was like a, a beautiful sweeping move and we kind of, ca- anyone carved anyone open. It was all sort of, it was kind of fast and it was, Central is yeah. how I describe it. There wasn't much shape to it, was Championshipy. it? Championshipy. Well, welcome. It's Red Bully yeah. as well. Like, mm. this is what it is. It's all about disrupt the other team. 
press high, get get them to make a mistake, tackle their defenders, um, win the ball and score as soon as you've won the ball. Mm. So it's not about kind of constructing a sweeping move that goes, you know, 24 passes, player to player, wing to wing, all that stuff isn't part of the playbook. And the sort of, at the end, um, uh, Ralph and Jesse were having a, a big old arms around each other, um, laughing and smiling and joking and everybody's, so it's all, you know, let's all go and have a few cans of bull juice after the game and have a nice time. Ralph as well, I was trying to provoke you into being angry. Um, he says it was the expected game of ping pong. Mm-hmm. And he's got that wrong. It's not ping pong, it's basketball. Right. And then he says, we have to accept the point. We'll take it in this intense atmosphere. So he's wrong about the atmosphere. Uh, it's, it's intense by Southampton stuff. It's a step forward. We adapted at half time. We had the bigger chances. We should have won this game. No, oh, shut up. Nine. A draw, a, draw was, a draw was fine. But he doesn't think a draw's fine. A draw was fine, he, Ralph. He will... Ralph, uh, you're wrong. He'll draw pour Red Bull all over your pissy little draw. There were moments okay. when, I, when I kind of had to adjust to the um, the Red Bulliness of it. Like, the, there were points where the ball would be up in the air and then our players wouldn't challenge for it and they left mm. it because they were going for the second ball. Because there are moments where, and we've, we discussed this before, haven't we, Moscow? Like, part of the game plan is occasionally to concede possession and then win it back. And I was like, ah, oh, that's what they're doing. Mm. I, I see it now because your instinct is like go on get into him get up but they, they just actually sometimes just stood off and waited for the second ball and then pressed at the right moment I thought oh yeah I see, I see what you're doing so I thought the pressing actually was quite good today yeah they didn't it did happen sometimes but it felt like there weren't as many occasions where they switched play and had an absolute ton of space which is, has been a bit of a defining feature of Marsh's era so far is that just occasionally it seems to go massively wrong and it'll go to a fullback who's in about 40 yards of space on the other side mm. So, in fact, the fact he's picked it out as Marsh saying that um, he thought it was our best um, counter-pressing. Yeah, it was to start with. I think it faded, like once Southampton started having more of the game, we seemed to struggle to keep going with it. And it's kind of, um, you wonder, like, it's. I guess it's because it's only been a few weeks and it's not completely instilled, drilled, second nature, that the, it's still something that they're kind of a bit like, oh, do we? So it's kind of it's just that change from what they were so used to. I'm not sure it's completely embedded in their thinking because every game so far we've had good spells. Most of them, um, not Le- Leicester was a good game overall, and then um, Villa we were awful all the way through. But then Norwich we were good with Bamford, Wolves we were good with Bamford, and then at the end, and then today we were good without Bamford until we scored, mm. and then we were good at the end when we were trying to get the game back, and that kind of it brought that kind of. Uh, second win back that you need to do all that pressing and to do all that tackling up front of kind of going like no we're going to um, get into this and uh, um, do you think even when we weren't great Moscow that we managed it quite well though like even when it wasn't quite firing that we were we were okay like it maybe feels like the troughs and the peaks are getting closer together I don't know yeah I think so I mean it was I would worry against us against still like Liverpool or City or someone who will be playing soon because the thing about Croik uh, Croik Cooper <laughs> Um, <laughs> and Urente as a partnership, there's not a lot of pace there. And so that mm. the way our goal started, where Cooper, you know, starts it with a header, it's because he's about to get caught for pace on halfway. So he really has to do something, and he does it. So he wins that tackle, and it's great. Um, but if he's losing the ball to Mo Salah on halfway, um, I don't know if we necessarily he's going to be able to like floor header his way out of trouble um, <laughs> in that situation. But there was. You know, Southampton or Southampton, they didn't really, they were difficult from set pieces and we gave them, it was more us sort of being used to our defence 
collapsing um, that made it so worrying when they were attacking so much. So it all got kind of frantic and you're thinking, oh God, they're definitely going to score here. But there was only really that one big Melier save. Um, we, we there do was a look, big chance. We do look better from set pieces, I have to say, yeah. both attacking and defending. Yeah. We, we definitely have improved in that, which is kind of boring. Yeah, but it's, it's but all a, the stuff that kind of we, that needed to happen goal, to make everybody settle down. But wasn't a goal it? from a corner does count. So you know, mm. if we could not concede one of them every single game, it's kind of nice. I think it, cha- watching the changing patterns of play and stuff are quite interesting because there was a bit where Melier, I think he caught a cross or something, and everyone was looking for him to throw it out quickly because that's what we've been used to for three years. Is that you you get it and you get count out to the fullback, Halloween, and actually yeah. he just went, no, well, let's just find a shape and we'll mm. do something slow here, or I'll I'll just put it long in 15 seconds time and it, it's taken a bit of getting used to it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. in the same, much in the same way as when Bales turned up and started doing all these things, there was a bit of panic around some of it, like with defenders. Get rid of it. Yeah, well, basically, because it took a while to to, to get around yeah. the idea that a centre-back is allowed to run forward with the ball or turn turn back on himself and go back to the goalkeeper who then passes it back to him and all that sort of stuff yeah. that we stop fucking around with yeah. it back the stuff Barad- that we had to unlearn Berardi passing 30 yards square across the penalty area to Liam Cooper and everybody going <gasps> <laughs> what is he doing so yeah it's it's got a bit more normal yeah I think the, the thing with Melier though is he was kind of slowing things down particularly at the start of the second half so not only the one that uh, Walker-Peters scored from Walker-Peters it's Ward-Prowse isn't it yeah. the, those they, two, they need to stop that they need to sell one of them mm. Um, or stop signing that many middle class footballers well it's it's not just the hyphens it's the WP as well that mm. should be stopped um, but he did it again two minutes later it was like slowed everything down and was like no I will do these I will do these things I will think about it some more and then just booted it straight to them and then we had them, them attacking us so I think maybe on Jesse Marsh's kind of to-do list he likes to have a to-do list for each match it, um, he should put on there talk to Ilian and let him know what we're doing. Because <laughs> I, I don't it, think it's quite got you're right, it all is, the way through yet. It is going to take time. And I suspect as well, when we go into the market in the summer, we're obviously going to be looking for players who suit the system. Well, we're just, we're bringing youth through. Mm, are we? Angus says, yeah. I've not got the programme here, but he says it's a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep a, a list I mean, I mean, now. Bielsa famously mm-hmm. never relied on youth at all, did he, when, when we needed players? So, um, so um, I can see, I can really see what Angus is making a point about I'm there. checking off the list now. So uh, Jesse Marsh has got to keep us up. He's got to change us from man marking to zonal marking. He's got to improve set pieces. He's got to uh, bring all the injured players back and also bring the youth players through and avoid relegation. So if you can just sort all that out. Um, I was thinking about it, actually, because I've not looked yet, but I think our average age today was probably actually quite old because there wasn't the, the kids weren't... Joffy D- came Define on, old. But, well, for, you know, for... Relative, just normal Premier League, yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, Joffy got his half hour with. Uh, apparently, he has a f- he's COVID positive, but they think it's a false positive, so they just let him play because he can do that now. Fine, and he's missed some training. Uh, Stroik also had COVID and a little hamstring strain, just a little one, just a little one. They were supposed to bring off Cooper, but there was a mix up with the staff because of Luke's injury. I noticed that this. He was going mad at his. uh, Yeah, Marsh was looking around, going like, I couldn't work out what his problem was with the substitution. We took the wrong player off. Are they not aware that they've got shirt numbers that help you distinguish one player from the other? It does worry me, this stuff sometimes, because, (laughs) you know, sub the right player. That that just feels like if you you are a Premier League football manager, you should know which player is coming off the pitch and which one isn't. Mm. And it shouldn't be 
that Luke Ayling is walking past you and then you're turning around to your bench and going, what's he doing here? <laughs> he got a book in today as well, didn't he, Marsh? I think. He did. Cooper uh, fully uh, like forearmed the back of whoever it was his head and he seemed into that. He was like, that shouldn't be a foul. Yeah. Good. So That was, it was right at the end, wasn't it? That was in injury time, I think. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Eight points clear. <clears throat> um, we've played one more game than Watford. So is it a case pretty much now of make sure we don't lose there next week? And then because we beat them, you know, I mean, yeah, could, we saying, could beat them. As, be I mean, we should. I think mm. we should go there and win. I'm just saying that as long as we avoid defeat there, they don't gain ground on us. That's the very important thing. Winning would be better than a draw. I mean, Burnley are the other unknown because they've they've got still got three games on us. So mm, we know them all too well. So technically speaking, they could still rein us in at this stage, but it's going to take an incredible run of form, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Watford against Liverpool have just done absolutely standard. 22 minutes, Diego Jota scores against them and then they can see again. Uh, the, the thing penalty. is, they, they weren't abysmal. Did you watch it at all? No. I did. Um, they weren't abysmal. Watford. Doesn't matter though. They just conceded in the first half, conceded in the second half, 2-0 defeat, game over. Right. It's, they're not doing any Brentford randomness, are they, Watford, anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, so we, we roll forward another week and I feel like we're close to feeling relaxed but not quite relaxed yet. No, not not yet. Mm. It's um, we'll see. There are other games to be played as well because essentially, if, if Everton can keep losing, it doesn't really matter what we do. And they've got their midweek game this time, haven't they? Yeah. So if, if we get to the Watford game and they've lost both of theirs, probably all right. Yeah. <laughs> you probably can probably relax a little bit. I more. mean, at thirty points now, chances are it's probably it is probably going to be fine. Probably, probably, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, Newcastle have thirty-one, and nobody's worried about them anymore. They do have two games in hand on us, but but yeah, I mean. Are Brighton never going to win? Well, we know that they've no, they've, they've drawn nil nil yeah. again today. They're really shy of these last two wins to take them up to um, eight for the oh, season. So it's nine, nine for the season, Moscow. Nine for the season. Yeah. Sorry, I looked at the Maths live is, uh, ruining me on the live league table. Yeah, we were fourteen. Um, we, we were two points behind them at half time. I just thought, God, it's only a month ago that Brighton were having a great season. We were going down and we two points away from them. And chances are, quite it's, it's all somewhere in the middle, isn't it? That's the truth. And I did see a, a headline um, this morning. I think it was the Athletic. It was like rounding up uh, latest things at Brighton. It was like a is is pressure mounting on Graham Potter? Could he be for the sack? It's like, how, how are you going to fucking sack Graham Potter? They, they wanted him to be England manager two weeks ago. And 13th in the Premier League is fine for a club like Brighton. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all. Well, it's, it's you know, given, fine, given where they have been. Should be fine for anybody in the Premier League who is not a that, frantic top four, yeah. you know, wanking themselves into a frenzy because they can't win every match. But at no stage this season have Brighton been in any danger. And unfortunately, that's the Premier they League for well, maybe they will be. Let's wrap it up there then. Um, thank you for joining us on the live stream um, for our TSB Plus members. Uh, Buy this. It's available as video and audio is this one. Buy our fanzine. But yes, do that. And Moscow, were you holding that over there? Just hold it for the camera, the Bielsa cover. There's the cover. You can buy a print of that as well. And then there's all this stuff inside. Ali Byrne drew that. Reese Lowry did the cover. And there's articles and stuff in there. There's a, in fact, there's articles and stuff in Joe there. Joe Gamble's done some of his finest work. Uh, Chris McMenemy wrote one kind of like really... Uh, taking the piss out of all the American stuff. That's Jesse Marsh and some monster trucks. <laughs> You're not getting that in any other publication. <laughs> so um, that's what you should buy yeah, you for, find, the, for the low, low price of £2.50. Yeah. Even better deal if you subscribe. Which, find, it, find it on the website, I was going to say. And yeah. uh, it'll also be on sale at the next home game, which is Manchester City. Mm. That picture of Robbie Keane. Very good. Good picture of him cartwheeling. Stop talking now, thank you. Right, we're gonna wrap. We're going to wrap this one up. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will see you in a bit. The Match Ball.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.